Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Lord, we do not pray to someone who is distant. We do not seek someone who is far. We do not hope in someone who is false. But we put all of our faith, all of our trust, all of our hope in you. God, thank you for being so good to your people. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are moments in life when you realize that God has to be everything. There are moments in life when you realize that God has to be everything. And for me, the Lord has been speaking a thought that started a few months ago when during worship time when the Lord said to me, he said, Pete, he says, the, the devil has asked to sift you as wheat. It's not exactly something you want to hear from Jesus. The devil has asked to sift you from wheat for, as wheat. And just a few days ago, again, I woke up. <clears throat> and Jesus again said to me, he said, Pete, the devil has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, <clears throat> what does it mean to be sifted as wheat? Whenever you would sift wheat, you would remove the good from the bad, and it was a test. It was a test. The devil has no authority or no power over us as children of God, so don't get me wrong. Matter of fact, when we realize who the devil is and what he was able to accomplish through deception, we will all be surprised at how minuscule and how small he really was. How the devil's greatest ability is to get you to distrust what God has said. That's his only tool that he can do, is to get you to distrust and not believe the very words that God spoke because every single word that God speaks has to be true. It has to be right. It has to be proven true. And if it doesn't, then God is a liar. And that's all the devil wants to do is to paint God as a, as a way of someone who has lied to you. And it's hard because sometimes what we see, sometimes what we, we experience tells us that it's not going to work. Tells us that it's not going to happen. But all the devil is doing is trying to get you to doubt the very one who promises that his word will not come back void. All the devil wants to do is to get you to not believe in a God who has never failed and every single word that he has spoken has come to pass or it will come to pass at its appointed time. God is not a liar. And yet the devil is all trying, all, that's all he wants to do is to get us to distrust and not believe what he has spoken. 
the biggest tool that he has is disbelief. To disobey. Matter of fact, in the book of John, chapter 3, <clears throat> it says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. You know, the Bible is very, very pointed in its extremes. Either it's true or it's not. Either you belong to the family or you don't. Jesus only gave us two options for fathers, either God or the devil. That's it. Either we follow the one who speaks truth or we follow the father who speaks lies. There's no in-between. There's, there's no compromise. There's no scale between putting our hope and trust in God or following the enemy. That being said, the most beautiful thing God has ever done is given us grace. Because how many know that we try to be perfect? We try to live for the Lord. We try not to doubt and to believe, and, but we fail. We're, we're people that try our best, but at times we fail. At times we doubt. At times we worry. At times we disobey. At times we don't trust and we don't believe. But he offers grace, and he offers mercy, and he offers kindness, and he doesn't turn us away. He doesn't reject us because of our distrust or our disbelief or because of our mistakes. He doesn't disqualify us because of our past. But yet there is a goal, and that is to believe in the word that was spoken to believe in the word that was revealed, the Son of God that came in the flesh. And the Bible says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Eternal life is not what you think. Eternal life isn't the ability to live forever. You're going to be able to do that anyways. Because when God gave us life, when God gave us as a people life, one of the qualities of life is that it's alive. It doesn't die. Life is life. Death is the removal of life. And no one can destroy what God has brought forth. It's life. The Bible says that in God is life. And the Son of Man has life. Now, if we reject Jesus, our life will be in hell, but we'll still be alive. Life is life. Life is lives. Life is a continual thing. What is eternal life? Jesus told us what eternal life is. When he prayed in John 17, he said this. <clears throat> he said, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who who you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Jesus is going to define what eternal life is. And here's what he said. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Jesus said if you really want eternal life, that they would know you. That they would know who you are. Unfiltered. Not behind a veil 
not through a priest, not through a pastor, not through a church, but people would know who you are. And I know this, that those who, put their, those who know the name of the Lord put their trust in Him, for He will not forsake those who seek Him. The Bible tells us that when we know who He is, we will put all of our trust, all of our hope in Him. Why? Because we know that He is God who has never lied. We know that He is God who has never failed. And we know that He is God who is able to do things that we cannot understand because His thoughts are completely different and higher than ours. We will never see it coming, what God has in store for you. Because that's God. When you, just, when you start to understand who He is, when you start to understand who He is, and he reveals himself to you, all of a sudden things take a different perspective. Many years as a Christian and as a pastor, I doubted my God. I doubted him. When he would ask me to trust him, he would ask me to, to do things and I didn't understand, I would doubt and I would worry and I would question. But I've come to a point in life where I'm trying not to doubt. I'm trying not to worry. Because I know who He is. And I'm discovering who He is. And He's revealing who He is. And He is someone who never fails at what He speaks. You see, you have to get to know Jesus to have faith, to believe, to trust the one who gives you life, eternal life. And so I pray that all of us would know him, would know God. And when you know him, all of a sudden, the problems that we face are nothing in comparison to who he is. And what's the devil's main goal? Is to blind you from who God really is. Every single thing that you're going through, every single problem or circumstances or desires and dreams, and it seems like it's never going to happen. Why? It's not because of God. God wants to do good things. The Bible says that he will not withhold any good thing from those who love him and walk blamelessly before him. He will not withhold any good thing. He is not a father who is vindictive. He's not a father who is unforgiving. He's not a father who holds your past in your face and will not reward you because you do not please him. He is a father who loves you unconditionally and has forgiven you and has justified you by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you stand before him, you are another son or daughter just like his son, Jesus Christ. You take on the very nature of the Son. That's what it means to be a child of God. That's why the Bible says that we are heirs and co-heirs in Christ. That we are a part of a family and when we stand before God, He is not going to withhold any good thing from His children. Why? Because He is good. 
But the devil only, only wants to blind you from who he really is. And he wants you to believe that God is not going to do it. He wants you to think that God isn't going to turn your situation around. He wants you to think that it's never going to happen and that you're never going to be able to find the joy and the peace and the rest that you are hoping for. But you have to trust God. And he will, the devil will try to convince you that it's never going to happen. But I believe that it's soon. Do you want to know why? Because twice Jesus told me that the devil wants to sift me as wheat. I am not I am not someone seeking attention. I am not someone who desires to be famous or well-known. I've preached to large crowds. I've preached to no crowds. And I do it all for my Lord. I just pray that I would be able to take care of my family. I pray that I'd be able to live a good life. And I pray that I'll be able to be a good son good husband, good father. But God has a purpose that's bigger than all of us that is going to move through this place not because we're special but because we're willing. And we have to believe that there is a reason why the devil wants to sift us like wheat. What does it mean to sift us like wheat? It means the separation of things that are good, things that are bad. And it's a testing. It's a testing. Remember the story of Job? <clears throat> Job is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible that we would actually have written. And the reason why we believe that it's one of the oldest books in the Bible is because if you notice the Old Testament, it is written around the law, it is written around God's people, there's a, there's a covenant that is established, and the whole Bible is centered around this. But Job talks about none of that. It describes Job as someone being blessed by the cattle that he has, which is pre-Moses' time. But something's interesting happens in Job. It says this, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job, and this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job was a righteous man, a good man, someone who would pray for his children just in case they did something that displeased God. Job was someone who was faithful and committed to his God. And then one day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? 
And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. God is the one who initiated this conversation with the devil. God is the one who initiated the conversation about Job, and he says this, that Job is a man like no other. Have you considered him? Why would God do that? Because there comes a point in time in all of our life where our faith is going to be tested. Faith has to be tested. It has to be tested. Because the point is, is that if you don't test faith, then is it really faith? Years ago, a friend of mine passed away. He was a good man. And he was always telling me how how much of a man of faith he was and how he would be there if I needed anything. He would be there. He, would, he got me, supports me, and, he, he, and anything I need, he'll believe that God will do it because he's a man of faith. But when hardships came his way, he ran from God. Now thank the Lord Jesus that he came back. See, we can proclaim that we're people of faith, but when hardships come, what is that? That is the sifting. That is the testing. And that's what it means. To sift means to test, to separate the good from the bad. God is telling the devil, have you tested my servant Job? Have you considered him? Because he's a good man. And you know the story. The devil says, well, you know, he he only fears you because you protect him. And God says, fine. Do what you will, but don't take his life. And this is, this is your enemy. I want you to understand who your enemy is. So in Job chapter 1, verse 12, it says, The Lord said to Satan, Very well, that everything he has is in your power, that the man himself do not lay a finger on. And then Satan went out to the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking, a messenger came to Job and says, The oxen that are plowing the donkeys were grazing nearby and they were attacked. And all your servants were put to the sword and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep and the servants and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed a raiding party and swept down the camels and made off with them and they put the servants to the sword. I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking in the oldest brother's house and when suddenly a mighty wind swept into the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them. They're all all dead and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you and at this Job got up tore his robe shaved his head and then he fell to the ground in worship and said naked I've came from my mother's womb and naked I would depart the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised and in all of this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing Job in one moment lost everything Everything, he lost it all in one moment. Why? Because God dared say, consider my servant Job. And so here comes the enemy. And he didn't do it right away. But on one day, 
He waited for the right moment. And he came in and he destroyed everything that Job had. And this is your enemy. I want you to understand this. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came to his presence before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. You see, the enemy shows up and does all that stuff, and then he doesn't care. He doesn't care about you. The enemy comes in and destroys all this stuff, and what does he do? He just goes about doing what he normally does, going around looking for opportunities to destroy people's life. And God once again said, have you considered my servant Job? Why was God doing this to Job? It almost seems unfair. It almost seems like God is setting Job up for failure. But God is allowing Job to be sifted. What's amazing about this story is people have asked the question, why do we suffer? Do you know what the book of Job says? Absolutely nothing about suffering. God finally shows up and he never addresses why Job suffers. Job never gets an answer for why he suffered. He didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. He didn't know that God and the devil were having this dialogue. He didn't know that this was something that was happening. All Job knew was that he loved God and in one day everything is gone and yet in that moment, in his darkest moment that he could be in, he still worshiped God. Why? Because he realized that there is someone bigger than everything I have and everything I love and everything I want. There's someone still bigger than me and I'm going to put my hope and my trust in him. And then the devil comes again and this time begins to strike his flesh. Then his friends come. His friends come and they, they want to bring encouragement and hope. But see, Job thinks that he's righteous. Job thinks that he's innocent. Job thinks that he didn't do anything wrong. And then the friends are starting to wonder, is God just? Because, you know, God is just, and we know he's just, and, and, and Job is simply just getting back what he deserved. And this whole dialogue goes back and forth between Job and his three friends. Job says, I'm innocent. His friend says, you got to be guilty. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And then finally... A fourth gentleman shows up and Job doesn't even answer him because Job now takes his case before God. And he says, okay, God, you judge me. I want you to vindicate me. I, I need you to answer. Are you just? And you know what God says? Absolutely nothing about Job's suffering. But you know what God does do to Job? He says, listen, Job, you don't understand how things operate. And God begins to describe his ability to control everything. From the beginning of the world, to nature, to Leviathan. He begins to describe to Job his ability to do it all, to run everything in this world. And Job finally realized that God is much more than me. He is much more 
And here's what he said at the very end. At the very end, when God is done addressing Job, this is what he says. I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obstructs my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. Job said, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. And therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. God may never explain why you suffer or why you go through the things you do, why God allows you to be sifted, why God allows you to be tested. You may never get that answer. But if you keep seeking him and you keep your eyes on him, and no matter how bad things may get, you keep loving him, keep seeking him, keep finding him, one day you're going to be able to say, you're bigger than me, God. I would never question why. I trust you. I trust you. Because, see, here's the thing. If God can orchestrate and hold all of the stars, if God can make the seasons come and go, if God can take care of all the animals, if God can do all of these things, I'm sure he is able to take care of you. And that's why Job realized God is much bigger than me. And the Bible says that after the Lord had said these things to Job, and he said to Eliphaz, the Temite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Job wasn't perfect. If you go through and look through the book of Job, Job actually gets angry with God, and he says some things he doesn't, shouldn't say. But God understood. You see, God is compassionate. He's gracious. He's kind. And he knows that sometimes when we go through hardships, we go through hard moments, we say things we don't mean. We say things, you know, when, when back in 2020, when I wanted to quit the ministry and I was done and I just said, that's it. I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm getting another job. And she says, don't you say things that you mean, that you don't mean. And I said, no, I'm serious. I said, I, I, I'm done with ministry. I, I, I need to take care of my family. God's not here and I don't understand. And, and she says, don't you say things you don't mean. And deep down inside, I knew I didn't mean it, but I was hurting. But God was compassionate, and he was gracious, and he never held that against me. She did. No, she didn't. See, so God understands when you go through hardship. Sometimes we, God, why? God, how come? God's not fair. But when God shows up, what can we say? Except, Lord, you are bigger than me, and I will trust you. I'll trust you. And the Bible says that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted him and consoled him over the trouble the Lord had brought on him. 
Sometimes God brings trouble. But it's because he wants to test you. Not for failure, but so that you would know who he is. So that you would know who he is. I'll tell you, the hardest trials I've ever gone through, the hardest moments I've ever gone through, the moment on January 5th when I wanted to quit and I was done, that was one of the hardest moments I went through. It was in that moment when God showed up. It was in that moment when his glory came upon me and I realized he is bigger than me. So don't be afraid of the moments when you are being tested. Don't be afraid of the moments when you go through hardships and trials because those moments are going to be the greatest moments of your victory when you realize how big God is. And that's when you begin to build your faith and you begin to continue to trust even more, even more. Because I'll tell you this, God is going to do things beyond normal abilities, beyond what we can do as people here on earth. If, if I'm telling you, there are so many classes and techniques and, and, and people out there, ministries out there that can tell us how to grow a church. There's so many different things out there that can tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, what we need to do, and, and we'll see a 20% growth every year, and we'll, we'll bring in more finances, and we'll see all this stuff, and they, they can tell you how to build a church. But I'm not interested in building a church. I'm interested in a kingdom of God that is going to interrupt the very things that are upon this earth. I'm interested in a true revival where people turn back to God. I'm interested when teenagers are stop being rebellious and they start being obedient. I'm interested in people who just feel the compelling need to know who God is. I'm interested in true revival. I'm interested in miracles and signs and wonders. I'm interested in, in our local newspaper running articles on why people have gotten healed, unexplained healings, unexplained miracles. And you know what it's going to say? God did it. I'm interested in true revival, a true awakening to who God is. Because see, God is so much more than what we think. He wants to heal. He wants to move. He wants to save. And it's going to be a fire that is going to catch. I believe Martin County is going to just be the start. And I believe churches all over are going to experience a true revival of God. But it's not going to come because we just say it. It's not going to come because we wish it. It's going to come to people who can be trusted. And the only way you can be trusted is if you're tested. It's the only way. You have to be tested. And when you succeed, you're going to be able to know God even more. So I encourage you, don't complain about the hardships. Don't complain about the disappointments. And don't complain that nothing's happening. Just continue to trust God. Continue to believe that through the sifting, he is preparing you for something even greater. He is preparing you. And I'll tell you this, Job may have never understood why he went through what he did, but you know what he did? He left a testimony for millions and millions and millions of people 
that would read his story and realize that God is still God, and even through all of the suffering, he is still good. Because if Job could worship God on a horrible day, then maybe I could worship God with my problems. Maybe I can trust what's happening in the heavenly realms, even though I can't see it. Maybe I can believe that at the very end that things are going to be even better than they were before. So I'm thankful for stories like Job because it helps us understand that there is a sifting, there is a testing. So this morning, whatever you're going through, I just encourage you, don't look at it as a negative thing. Now, if you are living a life of sin, if you're doing things that are wrong, then maybe it is. And then you just got to just take care of that. Get right with God. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Get back in love with Him. Get Seek Him. Read about Him. Pray about Him. Get your heart right. But if you're living for the Lord and you're going through stuff and you don't understand why, there's probably something bigger than you think. So all of the trials and tribulations you face are for a reason and a purpose. And hold on and trust that God knows what he's doing. Because remember, he will not withhold any good thing from you. He loves you that much. And he is working on your behalf. The Bible says he's going to work out all things for your good. Because he loved him for your good. So trust him. Hang on and believe that God is going to be God in the very end. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. Lord, this morning, I have shared from my heart what I believe you wanted me to say. God, that you are behind the scenes doing so much more than we know or could understand. But we do know that you are orchestrating things. You are in control. Our enemy has no authority over us. Our enemy cannot do a thing without prior authorization. And we know this, God, that if you have authorized something, it is because it is to be. It is because you are wanting to test us, to remove the stuff we don't need, and to reveal the good, to reveal the faith and the trust that we have in you. And Lord, may we be like Job, no matter how bad it gets, may we be people who worship you, who honor you, who seek you, even when we don't understand. And Lord, may we be people Lord, at the very end, people, Lord, who will be proven true as your followers, as your children. We love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. One final thought before we go. Do you know why the enemy wants to sift you? Because he wants to destroy you. But you know why God allows you to be sifted? So that when you regain your strength, you will go and strengthen others. You see, God wants to use you and your hardships, your trials, so that you can go and encourage others and you can tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. Because see, God did it for me too. And that's where we are. That's what we do as a church. We build each other up. So if you have gone through trials and you, and you hear someone who's suffering, you encourage them. All right. If you're going through those moments, seek help. Talk to us. Because all of us are going through the same thing. Because that's what we do. We just believe and trust in the Lord. Amen.